There we go. Wow, so much happening in the life of the church. So many things coming up. Um, just want to remind you that um, this coming Wednesday is the funeral for Nina Bidmead. So it's 10.30 here. So we just encourage you to come along to that uh, just as we celebrate the life of uh, Nina in, in that moment. Um, just wanted to bring that to your attention. Um, but moving on to, to what we're talking about, we've, we've been journeying through foundations over the past few weeks, but last week Steve went off topic for a little bit. Um, he was supposed to bring in about uh, suffering in hell, uh, and, and some of you might have gone, well, thank you for not bringing that. Um, and this week I was supposed to be bring, talking about heaven. Slightly different, but I just felt that in this moment God, you know, really wanted just to, uh, j- just to carry on what Steve spoke on last week, to be stirred up. Um, and I, I just want to, uh, the word this morning, uh, over this past week, God has just been speaking to me and re- just really ruffling a few feathers in me. So we'll come on to that in a moment. But if you heard last week, and you, if you were here or watched online or you caught up in the week, um, Steve brought a great word, didn't he? Steve brought, a, you're supposed to say yes to that. <laughs> Let's encourage him. But he brought a great word. The, the, the fact he was able to share where we are as a church at this moment in time was such, uh, was welcome. You know, transparency and truth is always welcome, yeah? Why wouldn't we do that as a leadership? Why wouldn't we do that as pastors? Why wouldn't we do that with each other? Um, and if you did miss it, if you did miss out on, on hearing that and what Phil brought as well, um, I encourage you to, to go and watch it. Um, and what, what has happened is basically this. We have taken stock as a church of where we are. We've taken stock, not where we've been, what was, what's gone by or what's ahead of us, even though that's in the thinking, but where we are here and now, at this moment in time, for such a moment as this. And the term to take stock simply means to make an overall assessment of a particular situation. That's what we're doing. We're in this moment, and we've got to assess where we are. And it goes on to say, typically before making a decision. Now, if you've been in church for any length of time, you know lots of decisions are made here, there, and everywhere. But there's some big decisions coming up. And we need to take stock of where we are. Now, I've got to say right from, from here that, that this is a great church. <laughs> this is a good church, a great church, a brilliant church full of great people. And the fact is that we're doing so much community, so much stuff together. We're building, rebuilding again. Forty young people went away. I don't know any other churches that are doing that. Okay. It seems to me that God is up to something. And I want to just bring to you this morning where we are, to take stock of where we are. Now, if you watched last week, you would know that we are down on finances for the past few months. We are thin on the ground with volunteers and helpers in many areas. And in amongst all this, we're looking at buying a building Sounds a bit bonkers. We don't cry about it. We don't hit you with a big stick and say, you have to do this. We're just saying, this is where we're at. And we want God. It's not for us to make you feel guilty, to make you feel bad. It's for us to show you and tell you where we're at. In amongst all this, a war rages a thousand miles away. Lots of people being displaced. Over nearly two million people are leaving their homes. Can you imagine leaving your home? Energy, fuel and food prices are rocketing just as we speak. And many of us face an uncertain future. Many people across the globe face an uncertain future. And on top of that, 
we lost an hour's sleep. Does anyone else miss that hour's sleep? But for me, for whatever goes on the turmoil in my head, in my heart, and whatever's going on with me, for myself, there seems to be this overwhelming feeling as the song goes that all is well with my soul. There really is. That's because despite what happens, whatever's going on, we trust that God is in control. Whatever happens in this world, what happens in your life, God is in control. That's a hard place to be. But for me, even though despite all these things that we, this is where we are as a church, this is what's going on, it seems like everything is against us. But for me, when my backs are against the wall, that's when God shows up. Because we can point and say, look what we did. We can say, look what God is doing. But the, the mind-boggler in all of this, and I say it all the time, is that God is asking something of me and you. He asks something of us. He invites us to journey with him on this, on this crazy adventure. To do whatever we can to bring his kingdom to people. We've heard this morning through the youth, through, through the Ukraine appeal, through all these different things, even through prayer, we can do something. God says to us, I want you to lay some things down. And I want you to pick some things up. I want you to leave the world behind you and actually set your sight on the cross. Set your sight on Jesus. And amongst all this, God says, I'm going to give you everything you will ever need. I will give you all the things you need to do this. You don't have to do anything. Is that what we believe this morning? Is that what we actually do as Christians, as followers of Jesus? I want to show you a picture now. Excuse the green around the sides. I I don't know how to do it, but Grace is going to put a picture up for you now. I just want you to study this picture and see what's wrong with it. Now, it's very hard to see, but can you see what's wrong with that picture? There's a man shielding his eyes from the sun who's wearing a hat with a peak and sunglasses on the back of it, but he's using his hand. He's wearing two items of clothing that can help him, but he's still using his own power and strength to shield his eyes from the sun. I'm pretty sure that I've done that. We'll come on to him a bit later on. Um, I don't know why, but through this week, that's, that's what has been on my mind, that picture of that man. I don't know if you've given anything up for Lent for this time. Has anyone done anything for Lent? A few, a few of you. I've given up social media, television, films, playing my games, all those sort of things. I would say I'm 100% perfect, but I'm not. But I've given those things up. And while the girls sit and watch telly and they sit together eating lots of food, I go and sit in the other room and I sit and I pray and I read my Bible. Don't I sound holy? And I stare out the window, which is probably more so than doing anything else. But it's in these times that that I've really felt that God has stirred me. He's ruffled my feathers. He's spoken to me. And it's in these times because I'm not so engrossed in doing that because it's just what I do. I've taken time out to seek him. And God has stirred me. Or I would rather put it like this. He's given me a spiritual slap. Okay? Do you remember being at school? This is when, um, when I was at school a long time ago. And you get a ruler across your knuckles. Has anyone had that? No? Jenny put her hand straight up and so did Will. We knew where the bad guys are. Um, the reason why you got that across the back of your hand was because you weren't listening to the teacher. You were busy doing something else that you shouldn't be doing instead of listening and learning. Isn't that a great picture of what God's doing? 
Not that he gets a ruler out and slaps you with it. But I just felt God really, really convict me of something. And I have had to take stock of where I am myself. And actually decisions have been made and put in motion for this coming season. I'm not going to go into any details. I'm just saying when God stirs you, you have to do something. There's no point going, thank you God for telling me and then carrying on as normal. Should we get into Scripture? Yeah. It's always good to get into the Bible, isn't it? Isaiah 58. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 58. We're going to read a big chunk of Scripture this morning. This is what I've been reading this week, and this is what I don't, don't feel comfortable with because God's trying to say something to me. It starts off, Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people, Israel... Of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and they seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed, God? Have you ever tried to impress God with the things that you do? I know I have. It goes on to say, we've been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. God responds and he says, I will tell you why. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. And what good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions, motions of penance. You bow your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and you cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? This paints a picture in the Old Testament of when you look at the New Testament, you see the Pharisees where like whitewashed tombs. On the outside, they're all pomp and strutting around, but on the inside, there's nothing there. This is what God is saying to his people in the Old Testament. God goes on to say, no, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here, he will quickly reply. Remove the yoke, the heavy yoke of oppression and stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry, help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually. He will give you water when you are dry and he will restore your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. And some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as rebuilders of walls and restorers of homes. Isn't that a great piece of scripture? In my Bible, it's, it's the, the title of the chapter is True and False Worship. And I think it gives this good picture of what is acceptable for God and what's not acceptable. It's this 
scratching the surface of just doing what we have to do and going through the motions instead of actually really going after God with everything and doing all that he's asked of us. And this is what God has said to me this week. He's really, really ruffled me. And like I said, there's no point saying, yes, God, thank you for showing me and not doing anything about it. And that's what I felt like bringing this morning, that being led to bring from God, to have taken stock of the church when Steve brought that so well last week, to actually take stock of our personal situation. That man in the picture with his hat and his sunglasses on, shielding his eyes from the sun, for me, just brought this image of Christians nowadays. People who say they follow Jesus, they've given all the tools, all the things that they need to help them in their journey, but they're still going under their own steam and own power. Thank you, Lord, for this hat to shield my eyes. Thank you, Lord, for these sunglasses, but I'm still going to use my own strength. And Isaiah 58 is a challenge from God to the people to assess their motives, their intentions, their purposes for life. He's saying to them, this is what you could be, but you're doing things for yourself. They were just going through the motions, and I'd hate to be a church that just goes through the motions. We're not. We're doing great things. Some things, yes, we have to be truthful with ourselves and take stock. You see, when you look at historical moves of God, when you read about them, does anyone actually fancy that happening nowadays? Do you fancy seeing a move of God? Mm, Maybe. Maybe if we see a move of God, it means doing something we've never done before. You see, when God moves, he uses situations and people who want him, who pursue him, who just want to lay everything down for him. He uses people who want to see revelation, restoration and renewal. But it's got to start in themselves. It starts with me here. And again, as Steve said last week, there's there's no way that we would ask anyone to do something that we weren't prepared to do ourselves, that I wasn't prepared to do myself. That's not how this works. That's not how church goes on. In fact, that's not what Jesus modeled. Jesus never said to disciples, well, I'm just going to show you. I'm not going to do it, but you are. I'm going to model it, even to, to the fact that he was crucified. I suppose this brief message this morning is a cry to inspect ourselves. I feel led, as uh, God has spoken to me over this week, to just bring it this morning. It's very interesting how God moves and stirs after you hear something. And what Steve wrote last week is something you just, I'm stirred by it. You see, much like communion, a person needs to examine themselves before coming before the Lord. You've got to examine yourself properly, intensely. You've got to do it on purpose, with an intent. You don't just go through the motions and say, thank you for your broken body, thank you for the blood, amen. You go at it fully so that you can acknowledge what and where things need to be done, where things need to be laid down and picked up. Nehemiah hadn't even set foot in Jerusalem, yet God used him to stir up the Israelites. He used used Nehemiah to go in and not only physically say, the walls are broken down, what are we going to do about it? But to stir the people to, to go into action and do things at the dung gate, at the fountain gate, and whatever gates there were, there's so many. He stirred them up and said, take stock of where you're at, what are you going to do about it? And they rebuilt it. So as I come into land, where are you at this morning, church? And if you're watching from home, where are you at this morning? 
I want to challenge you to say that once this service is over, not to go back to doing what you do until next Sunday and then do the same thing because that's going through the motions. I wonder if you come in this morning and you took a different route because of the marathon. Did anyone take a different route? Was it nice to go a different way? You're not on autopilot. You actually got to drive and take notice. And I think God wants to say, let's take a different route. I want to challenge you this morning, church, to be challenged by the Spirit. It's not for me to do it. I'm just a mouthpiece. But if I'm being stirred, and maybe Steve's being stirred, and a few others are being stirred, let's, let's all get stirring together. I want to challenge you to walk with clear intention to take stock of yourself. And I think it's really good. I'm going to invite the band back up. I know that Christy's up there teaching, so um, if someone could go give her a shout. Um, but I'm going to invite the band back up because I think it's really good to just worship in these times, to understand what God is doing with us. We've sang some great songs. That great song, You Are My Champion. It tells that God is your champion. He's done everything that you ever need to do what he's calling you to do. And if we genuinely want to see a move of God, then you have to start moving. It's that simple. The great thing with the technology is you don't know how many pages I've got left. But my last page simply has a question mark. Because I didn't want to end with just a prayer. I didn't want to end with just going, well, I hope you like the sermon, then let's go and have coffee. I really, really, really want to encourage you that at the end of this, when you gather for coffee, that you intently have a conversation with someone about being stirred by God. I want to encourage you, there's, there's, uh, there's myself and two others that meet every Monday morning for coffee. We've met for the past three weeks. And we're actually being really truthful, open and honest, because that's what it takes. We understand what needs laying down and what needs picking up to move forward in our journey. That actually, we know what God wants from us. And the only way you're going to do that is not by yourself, but with others. So I want to encourage you this morning. I want to challenge you. Do you remember on the baptism I said, I dare you, I double dare you? You have to take the challenge up. That you take stock of where you are as an individual, just as we take stock as a church, and to really see what it is that God wants you to do. I'm just going to invite you to stand where you can, and I'm going to pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, just as uh, the prophet Isaiah just spoke to his people, spoke to your people, Lord. He challenged them. He said to them, what you're doing isn't wrong, but it's not what God requires. What God requires is, is a full-on full on dedication to him. And we say it week in, week out. You read it all the time in the Bible. Jesus gave everything for us. And I really think if we want to see a move of God, it's about time we gave everything for him. That doesn't mean killing ourselves and tiring ourselves and doing everything that we can, but there's more than enough to go around that we can strategically just bring God's kingdom, not to this area, but to this town. I truly believe that when people humble themselves before Almighty God, He does wonderful things. And as God ruffles feathers, I pray, Lord, through your Holy Spirit that there will be some ruffled feathers this, this morning. I'm just your mouthpiece, Lord. But I pray that Holy Spirit, have your way in people this morning. Speak to them. Poke them. Inspire them. 
let them know that they are loved beyond measure, but they are so useful. They are not useless. They are useful to your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, that you invite us on this journey. Thank you, Jesus, that you are so awesome in doing things. What does it look like? Lord, only you know. But I pray that we would just go full tilt for you. Amen.